I must admit that when the bus when the bus pulled up and everybody got off the bus at this site where the story that we are going to look at today unfolded in Israel. And I saw it for the first time. I was not impressed. I really wasn't. It was probably the most disappointing moment of my whole trip to Israel. The events that took place in 1 Samuel chapter 17. When I saw it with my eyes, I looked at it and I was like, this cannot be the place. It just can't be the place where a giant fell. In this spot? No, it just couldn't be the place. But then we sat down. And we opened up 1 Samuel chapter 17 and we read... 1 Samuel chapter 17, and as we read it, we we just looked on both of the hillsides and thought about that day. What a day. What an event. When David slew the giant, it's a story that, that you know if, if you follow any sports team, they are an underdog. Oh, they're the David, and here is this Goliath. And the story's told like that. Maybe it's a, a small business taking on the huge corporation, David and Goliath. And every aspect of our lives, we hear stories of David and Goliath. You've heard men stand and preach 1 Samuel chapter 17 and You've read it. You've thought about it. You've sung songs. And all week long, my prayer has been that as we look at this passage and as we see this story, you and I don't miss the hero of 1 Samuel chapter 17. The hero of 1 Samuel chapter 17 is not David. The hero of 1 Samuel chapter 17 is not those who called their names of the tribe of Israel. The hero is not the little guy. The hero is God Almighty. And as I read this for us this morning and we look at these Stones. I, before we start, please don't walk out of here thinking that, all right, Brian gave us five points on how to kill a giant. Because I'm about to give you five points on how to kill a giant, but that's not what you need to walk out of here with. You, you need to walk out of here understanding that God kills the giant. You need to walk out of here knowing that God has already killed the giant. We sang about it. There are no more chains. For those of us that are in Christ Jesus, He has broken those chains. So there is no giant that has not already been conquered 
for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. He is the hero. Okay, so I'm going to give you five stones, and there's some five things, five aspects of your life and my life that need to be used and need to be furthered for these things to come about, but the giant is dead. We need to understand that from the beginning. So I'm going to read 1 Samuel chapter 17. I know it's a long passage. You follow along in your copy of God's Word. I'm going to read it for us, and then I want us to see not only the five stones, but the hero of 1 Samuel chapter 17. So let's read. Now the Philistines gathered their armies for battle. And they were gathered at Sokah, which belongs to Judah, and encamped between Sokah and Azekah in Ephes-Damon. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered and encamped in the valley of Elah. And they drew up the line of battle against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on the mountain on one side. And Israel stood on the mountain on the other side with the valley between them. There came out from the camp of the Philistines a champion named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. And he had a helmet of bronze on his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. And he had a bronze armor on his legs, and a javelin of bronze slung between his shoulders, and the shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam. And his spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron. And his shield bearer went before him. Look at verse 8. And he stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why have you come out to draw up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he's able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistines said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed, greatly afraid. Verse 12. Now David was a son of an Ephrathite of Bethlehem in Judah named Jesse, who had eight sons. And in the days of Saul, the man was already old and advanced in years. The three oldest sons of Jesse had followed Saul to battle. The names of the three sons who, were to, uh, who went to battle were Eliab, the firstborn. Next to him, Abinadab, the third, Shammah. David was the youngest, verse 14 states. The three eldest followed Saul, but David went back and forth from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. For 40 days, the Philistine, for 40 days, the Philistine came forward and took his stand morning and evening. 
Jesse said to David, his son, Take your brothers an ephah of parched grain, these ten loaves, and carry them quickly to the camp to your brothers, and also take these ten cheeses to the commander of their thousand. See if your brothers are well, and bring some token from them. Now Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah, fighting with the Philistines. David rose early in the morning and left the sheep with a keeper and took the provisions and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the encampment at the, as the host was going out to the battle line shouting the war cry. And Israel and the Philistines drew up for battle against an army against army. And David left the things in charge of the keeper of the baggage and ran to the ranks and went and greeted his brothers. And as he talked with them, behold, the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, came up out of the ranks of the Philistines and spoke the same words as before. And David heard him. All the men of Israel, when they saw the man, they fled from him. From him, and were much afraid. And the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel, and the king will enrich the man who kills him with great riches, and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. And David said to the men who stood by him, What shall be done to the man who kills the Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him in the same way. So shall it be done to the man who kills him. Verse 28. Gotta love older brothers. Now Eliab, the eldest brother, heard when David spoke to the men. And Eliab's anger was kindled against David and said, Why have you come down? And with with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your presumption and the evil of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. And David said, What have I done now? Was it not but a word? And and he turned away from him toward another and spoke in the same way. And the people answered him again as before. When the words that David spoke were heard, and they were repeated before Saul, and he sent for him. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, you're not able to go against the Philistine to fight with him, for you are but a youth, and he has been a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him, struck him, and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears. This circumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. David said, 
The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. Then Saul clothed David with his armor, put a helmet of bronze on his head, and clothed him with a coat of mail. And David strapped his sword over his armor. And he tried in vain to go, for he had not tested them. Then David said to Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not tested them. So David put them off. Then he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the brook and put them in his shepherd's pouch. His sling was in his hand, and he approached the Philistine. And the Philistine moved forward and came near to David with his shield bearer in front of him. And when the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth, ruddy and handsome in appearance. And the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog? Am I a dog that you come with, come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. The Philistine said to David, Come to me. Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beast of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you. I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you down and cut off your head and I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beast of the earth that all, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel and that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves, not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and He will give you into our hand. Verse 48. When the Philistine arose and came and draw, to draw near to meet David, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone and slung it and struck the Philistine on his forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the ground. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. There was no sword in the hand of David. Then David ran and stood over the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of its sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. And when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. And the men of Israel and Judah, they rose with a shout and pursued the Philistines as far as Gath, the gates of Ekron, so that the wounded Philistines fell on the way from Sharaim as far as Gath and Ekron. And the people of Israel came back from chasing the Philistines and they plundered their camp. And David took the head of the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem, but he put his armor in his tent. As soon as Saul saw David go out against the Philistine, he said to Abner, the commander of the armor, Abner, whose son is this youth? And Abner said, as your soul lives, O king, I do not know. 
And the king said, inquire whose son the boy is. And as soon as David returned from striking down the Philistine, Abner took him and brought him before Saul with the head of the Philistine in his hand. And Saul said to him, whose son are you, young man? And David answered, I am the son of your servant, Jesse, the Bethlehemite. Heavenly Father, as we spend the next few moments just remembering this story, as we spend the next few moments, God, may we not forget that the battle is yours, that the battle has already been won because you, you took everything. You you took all of our sin, all of our iniquity, all of our transgression. You put it on yourself. You died. You were separated, Lord, so that we might come close, that we might have a right relationship with you. You died so that I might live God, may we see that. So, Father, as we talk about this passage and as we see one of the most known stories from your king, David, God, would it give us courage? Would it give us Would it give us this challenge to stand in the midst of fear? God, when it seems that everything is against us, may we be reminded, may we remember, may we have recollection, Father, that you have already won the battle. So as we go about our week and the struggles at work, Father, may we we be able to stand. Because we're yours. So this morning I ask that you would speak. And I ask it in Christ's name. Amen. I know it's a long passage. Long story. But it's something that I believe that you and I needed to to be refreshed with. As we look at these five stones. The first stone. If you're going to kill a giant, the first stone. The first stone that you and I need to be reminded of, the first stone that you and I need to have in our pouch, so to speak, is that of preparation. Preparation. We need to be prepared. Last week, we saw in chapter 15 the events that were taking place. In chapter 15, Saul goes out when he should not have done what he did. He should have gone and killed all the Amalekites. He should have laid them down for destruction, but he did not. And because of the events of chapter 15, chapter 16 comes about. God says, how long are you going to grieve, Samuel? How long are you going to grieve over Saul? I'm going out to find a king for my name. For my name's sake, I'm going to go find myself a king. So take up your horn of oil, chapter 16, and you go anoint a king. Go to Jesse's house, and I'll tell you which one that you are to anoint. Seven sons come in front of him. Seven sons come in front of Samuel. The first one, Eliab. And he is handsome. And Samuel's getting the horn out, and God says, not him. I know his heart. Second one comes, not him. Third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh son of Jesse comes in front of Samuel. And Samuel's like, "Uh, Jesse, is this all you got? Are these all the boys? He's like, well, there's this runt. He's... 
He's out in the field. Go get him. And as soon as David comes over the hilltop, God says, that's the one. That's the one after my own heart. Anoint him. And he does. And what happens to David? David is sent right back out into the field. He's the new king. No, he's still the shepherd. Go back out there with the sheep. He had to prepare. The events of chapter 15, the events of chapter 16, now we see that of chapter 17 coming up. And because of those events in the past, they have prepared David for this day. And the events that you have gone through. The events of your last 30 years. Your last umpteen years. The events of your last years have prepared you for today. You think you were just pushing papers. You were not pushing papers. You think you were just answering phone calls. You were not just answering phone calls. You think you were just changing diapers, making meals, bringing home a paycheck, in the grind from 8 to 5. That is not the case. God has been preparing you for this event, and you and I need to recognize that. There is a time for preparation and to kill the giant. To kill the giant, you and I must prepare. The second stone is not just preparation, but the second stone for you and for me to kill this giant is that we need to have a good recall. We need to have a great recollection. Our memory needs to be present in our lives As David hears the words of the Philistine taunt Israel. It's even worse than that as he hears the Philistine taunt God. Can't you just imagine that? He's been in the field. He doesn't know what's been happening for 40 days. He shows up and the Philistine comes out and says, Hey, give me a man and let's fight. And David hears this Philistine. He calls him an uncircumcised Philistine. He hears him defy the living God. And he's like, hey, where's the end of the line? Where's the end? I just want to end the line to go over, go over and fight this guy. I don't know who's in front of me, but, but I just want to be in the line because I'm going out there and I'm fighting this guy. And he's like, wait, there's not a line? Okay, I'll go. David does not know that he has done this for 40 days, 80 times. Every morning and every afternoon, Goliath stands up and says, Hey, Israel, give me a guy. Let's fight. Let's get it on. It is UFC. It's ready. The lights are on. It's WWE. The wrestling rink is right there. And he's like, let's do this. But he lies. Did y'all see the lie? Goliath says, Hey, if you send a guy out here and I'm going to fight him, if he kills me, we will serve you. Goliath's not going to serve him. He's dead. It's not Goliath. But he does say this. He says, if I kill him, then you're going to serve us. Israel, you're going to serve us. If you kill me, then the Philistines will serve you. When you and I come up against a giant, when you and I come up against a giant in our lives, there's got to be a great memory that we have. 
What was the memory that David recalled? Um, Saul, let me go fight him. Because let me tell you, Saul, there, there were these days out in the pasture that these lions came. Not, not just one lion, they were plural. These lions came and they grabbed a hold of some of those lambs and they took them and I chased after them. And if they would not let them go, I grabbed that lion by the mane. I grabbed it by its beard and I killed it. That's a man. I mean, we're not talking 30-06. We're not talking machete. We're not talking crocodile dundee. That's a knife. No, I grabbed him by his mane and I killed him. Lions, plural. Bears, plural. I did it. Saul, let me at that guy. Right? He had a memory. And he was able to recall past victories in his life. How many victories have you had in your life? Small ones? Large ones? How many victories have you seen God come through in your life? Remember them. Remember those so that in these moments, in these trials, in this time that you seem that you were just facing this giant and there is no way out, remember the victories that God has already brought. He's brought them. You and I just forget them. My favorite basketball team is uh, the North Carolina Tar Heels, and the coach of the North Carolina Tar Heels is Roy Williams, and Roy Williams is a good old boy, all shucks. He is just a good old boy, and, and that's just how he comes across. But, but Roy Williams states this. He says, I remember every defeat. I remember every defeat, and you and I remember every defeat, don't we? We hold that over our heads. Oh, there is so much. I cannot get past this defeat. And so he was asked, what about the victories? He said, I just got to go on to the next game. No, don't go on to the next game. Remember those victories. Because what took place in those victories, you will use again. I know you get tired of my stories, especially when I tell you the same one over and over again. But let me tell you one that some of you have already heard. April the 27th, 1999... Paige was hit head on, and um, she stayed in the Duke Hospital. Paige is my wife, and she stayed in the Duke Hospital. She was in a coma for the first three weeks, the first 10 days, every morning, every evening, every doctor that was on the ICU floor, every nurse that was on the ICU floor came in and said, hey, she's not going to make it through the day. She's not going to make it through the day. And my statement to them which was shallow, but I was holding on to it, was thank you for everything you've done. My trust isn't in you. My trust is in the Lord. If he wants to take her home, let him take her home. So about day 12, it was 2 o'clock in the morning, and I was over across the street in the apartment, and I could not sleep, and I had a quote with some air quotes, come to Jesus moment, and he said, hey, do you really believe that? And so we had a conversation for about 45 minutes until I did truly believe that. And ultimately, that night, I said two things to him. 
Number one, God, I know that you love her more than I love her. If you want to take her home, take her home. Settle. But the second thing that you and I need this morning, I believe, is this. We need to have a great memory. And I said, Lord, whatever I'm supposed to learn in this trial, let me remember it so I don't have to go through something like this again to learn that. I'm going to have to go through different trials. You're going to have to go through different trials. You don't know when the trial is coming. I don't know when it's coming. You don't know the size of the giant that you think you're standing in front of and how that giant is going to be defeated. But know this, when the trial comes, whatever it is, remember what you're supposed to learn from it so you don't have to go through it again. He killed the giant. God killed Goliath. He killed the giant that you're going up against right now. But remember, remember, church. You and I need to have a great recall. If I'm going to finish this sermon, I need to move on. David remembered that he had been tried before, and those trials came frequently. He had a memory, and also in that memory... He had seen that his foes in the trials, they were different. He had foes of family. His brother hates him because his brother was looked over by God. The bears, the lions, all the mundane activity of being a shepherd day in and day out. They attacked David differently and they attack you differently. Remember the trials that you and I find ourselves going up against. Write down your victories so that when those trials come and similar trials come, you know that you have won that victory. But also write down your defeats. It happened this week. It hadn't happened in in a little while. I won't say... It's probably been a a few weeks, but but there was a certain temptation that came at me this week that I had not seen for a few months. And I was like, why why did it come right now? Why hadn't I seen this particular temptation? Why haven't I I seen this? And then I, I remembered, you know, some of those times in that temptation I have failed. And some of those times when that temptation comes up and that battle comes up, I have won the victory. And I said, you know what? Hey, let's remember both of those. Where did I fail? Why did I fail in that temptation? Why did I fail when that giant came at me? It's because I wasn't prepared, wasn't remembering. Satan doesn't have a new battle cry. It's the same old thing. He comes at you and he comes at me. Sure, he comes from the side, he comes from the back, he comes from from an angle or he comes straight at us, but it is the same attack. So remember, victories and defeats. The third stone, let's move forward. Third stone for killing a giant is standing in times of fear. Let me just give you four bullets quickly. We'll move on to the fourth stone. The first is this, there are fears that come at you from outside foes, bears, lions, family. 
They, they all come from outside. Goliath is speaking down to David. He thinks that he is just a, a ruddy youth. How in the world are you sending a dog? At least send a soldier to me so that we can fight. There are fears that come from the outside. There are fears that come from family. Maybe your family looks at you and says, hey, you're not old enough. Maybe your family says, eh, I think I've got a better plan for you. Maybe your family looks at you and you're like, what are you doing? Who left? Who did you, who'd you leave those few sheep out in the wilderness to? Shouldn't you be out there with those? There's also fears from within. Fears from within. I believe that those fears are the hardest ones for us to conquer. Sometimes we expect it from foes. Sometimes we even expect it from family. But some of the hardest fears that you and I go up against, that we have to just stand, come in between your left ear and your right ear. Finally, that maybe there's some fears from authorities. Saul looks at David and says, um, you can't go do that. You, you can't do that. David's like, let me tell you, Saul, there were these lions and these bears, oh my. And they came at me and I took them by the beard and I just ripped them apart. I can take care of that guy. Fourth stone. Fourth stone kind of gets at my introduction this morning was this. If you're going to kill the giant, you and I need to focus on what's important. If you look back in chapter 17, we're not going to read it again. But if you look back in chapter 17, all of Israel were focused on two things. They were focused on the size of a Goliath. Oh, they are dismayed and they are afraid. They are running in fear because of his size. And then, if they're not focused on that, they're focused on the prize. Hey, whoever kills him, whoever kills him, here is the pirate's booty. Here, here is all the treasure that is going to be given. They're going to have a free whole family in Israel. Here is all the things that are going to take place. If you and I are going to kill a giant, then you and I need to be reminded of the things that are important. David does not look at the size of Goliath, nor does he look, nor does he look even at the treasure. Sure, he asked them again what is stated, but he does not keep his eyes there. He looks to God. That's what's important. He has you. He has you in this moment for a reason. He has not failed you. He has not forsaken you. He has you exactly where He wants you, and He is using the moment for His glory and your good. All the soldiers were thinking about stuff. And David 
sees that this uncircumcised Philistine is defying the armies of the Lord and says it must stop. When, when you look at the, at, the, at the giant, and you size him up, you size up the situation, you size up the trial, you size up the hardship, you size up the circumstance that you find yourself in, and you're like, I don't know how in the world I'm going to get out of this. Do not keep your eyes there. Keep your eyes here. Remember that he is greater than any giant. He has defeated every foe. He has not changed. Malachi chapter 3 verse 6 says that I, the Lord, do not change. I'm the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He has stated throughout the Gospels to all those that are following after Him. He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And if I go to the cross and I'm going to the cross, if I come out of the grave and I'm going to come out of the grave, know this, that I'm sending another helper just like me to you to indwell you. Wait for Him. He's coming. And He has come. Final stone. This morning, if you and I are going to kill giants and see those giants fall, there's got to be courage. You know, 1 Samuel chapter 17, Eliab, the oldest brother, is upset. He's upset from past events. But he says something to David, and it could have been a moment where David was was filled with more than courage. But there's no cockiness coming out of David. There is a a tough confidence that God will come through, though. He was faithful in the past, and David believes that he will be the same as he's always been and will be the same as he always will be. reminded me of Daniel chapter 3. You see the verses on the screen. You can turn there if you'd like. But in Daniel chapter 3, verses 13 through 18, there are three who have stood in front of the king. And the king is mad because they won't bow down. Nebuchadnezzar is furious and raged, and he commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that they be brought. So they were brought, these men, before the king. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Now, if you're ready, if you're ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, the pipe, the lyre, the trijon, the harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, if you're ready to fall down and worship the image that I have made well and good, But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into the burning, fiery furnace. And check that last sentence out. And who? Who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? Hey, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I'm the king. I'm the greatest king of the day. Who's the God who's going to deliver you out of that? Who's the God? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered. And here's what they said. They said, O king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. We don't have to answer you. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us out of the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But 
If not, please know this. May it be known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to have the courage to stand? Are you willing to to not just be one on the hillside, but to come to the battle line? To have that courage to stand in front of those giants? May I close with just a couple of questions? If not, what else does he have to prove to you? What does he have to do for you to stand there? How many more times does he have to come through? How much more love can he bestow on you when he has given you his very best? When he has taken your sin, your transgression, your iniquity, what that has the wrath of Almighty God beating down on you and me, when he has taken that away, how much more does he have to prove that he loves you and he's going to take care of you and he's going to come through? How much more? He has done it time and time again, ma'am, sir. He has done it day in and day out. He has shown how much he will do for you. If you and I would just open our eyes. Heavenly Father, we come. God, we come thanking you. Thanking you that, that you have worked in our past. Father, we come thanking you that you love us in spite of every wrong that we have ever done in our past. Father, I'm reminded again of the story in the Gospels where you state, Lord, Lord, you state, just believe. And, and the, the man says, I believe, help my unbelief. I believe that you are the Son of the living God. I believe that you can heal me. I believe that you can do this. Help my unbelief. Father, so often I believe River Bend, all of us, need to cry out in that same way. Lord, we believe, help our unbelief. God, strengthen that belief that is in us. Sir, I don't know the giant that you think you're looking at this morning. Ma'am, I, I don't know the, the trial that looks as if it is a wave that is crashing over you and there is no hope. May, may you... Have courage this morning and keep your eyes on Him. For He is working. He is working to bring healing in you. Maybe you've had your eyes on somebody else and, and you need to refocus them on Him. He is working. Maybe you see the job that is in front of you and there is no hope. There is hope because He is working. Sir, would you come back this morning? Sir, would you come for the first time? Would you bow the knee for the first time? Would you begin a relationship, ma'am, today? 
because that is his desire for you to know him and one day to be just like him because he is going to change you father would you work as we stand and as we respond back to you would you work spirit would you move in us because you have indwelt us lord thank you I ask it in christ's name you stand and let's respond back